0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. We are not going to waste any time. It's The Rubber Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. We've got a lot to talk about, a little bit of time to do it, Stephen. Old Miss 43 Louisville 24 basically what we predicted the score was going to be we, were we nailed so that class. we nailed that so uh that's what we're talking about today obviously we're going to get right into it overarching just general thought before we dive into the specifics Old Miss 43 Louisville 24
0: yeah we said we had to wait and see how it looked with that score but both of us said you know, it would be a huge positive, and we would be talking very positively about Ole Miss if that score were to be the case. And what you saw last night is a team that can win eight to ten games. Yeah, that, that's the overarching thought watching that game last night. From obviously, you know what the offense is about. You saw it all of last year, and the way that that defense came out from the very first series. That was a completely different unit than we saw a year ago.
1: Yeah, we'll start there. So, Louisville uh, Malik Cunningham was 22 of 37 for 191. Had the one touchdown and one interception, a QBR of 39. He was also uh, the leading rusher for Louisville, 18 carries for 79 yards. Old miss held Louisville to 200 through the air and 155 on the ground. Doing quick math here, that's 355 yards, which is almost what opponents averaged through the air against Ole Miss a year ago. I, I don't care who the opponent is. I, I really don't when it comes to this right here, the defense. That's the story of the game uh, for everybody is how much better that defense looked. And just for reference, so again, it's Louisville. I think Louisville is going to be a team that probably ends up in a bowl game because the ACC is absolute trash.
0: What a terrible weekend they had.
1: They're awful. And they added a team in the top twenty-five. They didn't. Lo- they have one more team this week in the top twenty-five than they did last week. Who? Oh, Virginia Tech. I guess Virginia Tech. How about that? There's there's <laughs> your stupid stat of the day. But in twenty twenty, Ole Miss averaged giving up five hundred and twenty yards per game. That was worst in college football. Three hundred and twelve yards through the air, second worst in college football. Twenty-seven first downs per game. Worst in college football. Here's a reference point. Against Vanderbilt last year, remember, winless (laughs) Vanderbilt, who was just pathetic. Ole Miss gave up 319 yards through the air and 102 yards on the ground in 24 first downs. I don't care who the opponent is. That defense significantly better than a year ago. And everything everybody was hoping they would be. Better players. They have better players. Starts with Chance Campbell, but there's more. Jacob Springer flashed. Multiple guys in the secondary flashed. We talked a few weeks ago about Wilson Love's strength and conditioning program, and I told you guys they are physically going to look different. Even the same guys will look different. Absolutely the case with the defensive tackles, especially physically looked different. They upgraded personnel. They upgraded physically. The scheme was better, but most importantly, they looked like they understood their assignments. Take the LSU game last year, for example. Butte did not go for over 300 yards because he was just beating Ole Miss. He went for over 300 yards because Ole Miss forgot to cover him.
0: Yeah, there weren't guys within 10 yards of him sometimes during that right. game. When You know, they would show... A replay and they, you know, they zoom in kind of on the receiver, and there was not one blue jersey around him.
1: They blew assignments that they were bad, not just personnel wise, last year. They blew assignments, they missed coverages, they didn't play confidently. I don't know if it was a lack of understanding the scheme or whatever. They took bad angles, they were poor tacklers, they would lose contain. They didn't just athlete poorly last year, they did basically everything poorly last night. Kirk Herbstreit kept talking about, oh, they're flying to the football. They're fl- Here's why you can do that. If you're not thinking, they didn't have to think. They knew their assignment. They didn't blow any assignments. I'm sure there's one on film that the coaches will see. Generally, I didn't see where there was like a blown coverage. I didn't see that. There may have been. I didn't see one.
0: No, And there was never a big play last night where you thought to yourself, oh, okay, there's the Ole Miss defense from last year. Even in the second half, when Louisville, you know, they found a bit of a rhythm. It was nothing significant, and it didn't make an impact in the final score or anything like that. But there was never that moment of, oh, here we go again.
1: They had to work for it. Right. They, they had to work for it. Even when Ole Miss in the second half, I think a lot of Louisville's success in the second half, I think, can be attributed to more of what Ole Miss was doing as opposed to what Louisville was doing. I mean, almost was gassed. I mean, that's, that's an issue. We talk about depth and stuff like that. They don't have much of it. They were also missing two linebackers due to targeting ejections, and more on that later if we have time. It's absurd that Robinson was ejected from the game, in my opinion. But anyway, uh, so they're down two linebackers. They were pretty gassed, uh, and they were definitely not – I don't want to say allowing Louisville to score because that's obviously not what they were doing. But they were a little more vanilla and a little more, we'll give you, you know, seven, 10 yards, whatever. Yeah. I think they it's were trying to take you a long time to score and we're happy with that. Let's just get out of here kind of yeah. situation. I think that's they what were... it looked like to me.
0: They were trying to avoid that big play that I was talking about yeah. where you, you didn't see that last night, largely because I think they sat back and allowed Malik Cunningham to kind of pick apart the middle of the field. That's. That's the only part of the field that he was able to accurately throw the football, is in the middle of the field, and they continued to give it to him in that second half. And I think they could have taken it away if they wanted to, but I think— No reason to
1: play more aggressive than they did in the second half. Ole Miss had 10 gains of 20-plus yards last night. Louisville had two. Only two plays for longer than 20 yards in the game last night. That is the Ole Miss defense— only gave up two plays of 20 yards or longer in the entire game.
0: And it's completely different now. It really is. And I'll continue to say this, and you said it earlier. It doesn't matter how good Louisville is on offense, whether they're good, bad, whatever. Kentucky scored 41 points on this defense last year. Kentucky's offense was one of the worst I've ever seen last year. There was no creativity, no imagination, and they couldn't throw the ball down the field with any kind of success, and that team scored 41 points.
1: Counterpoint, Notre Dame only scored 10. See,
0: I'm, that's interesting. I ruined that, I'm sorry. He did, Continue. that's okay. Finish your thought. No, 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 I'm, I'm just saying that just seeing a competent unit on that side of the ball paired with that offense was a sight to behold, I think, for a lot of Ole Miss fans yeah. last night.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, the first first half shutout since 2016, and think about it. That's the thing. I, I have heard mostly from state fans since the game last night. Oh, it was just Louisville. Louisville sucks. Louisiana Tech's better than Louisville. And no serious person says stuff like that, so just laugh them off. But um, think about who they have played since 2016. It's not Alabama every Saturday. It's not Mississippi State every Saturday. It's not Vanderbilt every Saturday since 2016. They haven't done that in in years and they did that last night. Malik Cunningham doesn't have great weapons around him, clearly. But he's still a great athlete. He is. And he showed Ole Miss that at times last night. But to contain him the way they did. Even when he would break contain with the 3-2-6 that they were running, which is not uncommon. It's not, you know, no, not everybody does it. But there are other successful programs in college football that implement 3-2-6s. When he would break contain, when he would get past the line of scrimmage, running the football, Ole Miss's safeties, defensive backs, whatever, were so comfortable stepping up and making plays in space that he could never get really anything going on the ground despite his 80 yards on the ground. It was only four per carry. I mean, that was such a difference. Open field tackling, playing downhill, play recognition, comfortability within the system, not blowing assignments, uh, did well enough bringing three most of the night, getting pressure. It wasn't perfect, uh, but when five is blocking three, sometimes six is blocking three, you can't really expect to get pressure all that often. You have to rely on your secondary
0: to make plays in that moment, and they did. And that hold, that holds up against Louisville. That will not hold up against Alabama here in three weeks.
1: But that, see, that's the thing. is Is anybody going to stop Alabama?
0: No. So all you have to do is get a
1: couple of them. I mean, that's that's the thing. I I saw somebody, uh, a newspaper editor here in the state, and and I like him, so I'm not going to say his name. But uh, he said everybody's talking about Ole Miss's defensive improvement. Wake me up after they play Alabama. It's like, well, that's not fair. That's really that's that's disingenuous because yes, Alabama is likely going to score a lot of points on this defense. They're They're going to score a lot of points on basically everybody. On everybody, they will. but, yeah, I still expect them to get scored on some. They still are going to have some holes. A team like Alabama probably will be able to run them out of that 3-2-6, but uh, when you've got safeties that step up and, and play run defense
0: the way they looked last night, it'll be successful for the most part, which is all yeah. you need it to be. Right. And against, against SEC competition, You know, say the defense doesn't play as well as they played last night. But what you saw last night, it was just a a validation of everything we've talked about this offseason. Was that it was going to be a different scheme. There were going to be different impact players. And Chance Campbell, I think Kirk Herbstreet was ready to propose to him after the game last night. The way that he talked about him a lot. And if you wanted a reminder of how bad the Ole Miss defense was a year ago, again, ask Kirk Herbstreet. I don't know how many different times he said last night... Wow, and this unit just couldn't do anything right. <laughs> no. he, he's correct. But, I mean, uh, he was just as shocked as a lot of people were. I, uh, I honestly, yeah.
1: sometimes I think that announcers aren't well prepared for games, and maybe it's hard to do. But I think Kirk was genuinely shocked at what he saw. <laughs> I don't think that was an announcer being unprepared or anything. I just think he watched a bunch of old Miss film, and then watched them play last night and was like, what the hell? Like, th- this is not the same football team. And so he was just talking about Campbell over and over, and then he kept talking about how they're flying to the football and they're flying to the football, and they just didn't do that last year. I think he was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked.
0: I, I think a lot of people were in that same boat, honestly. I, again, that first series really set the tone for the entire night. I, I did not expect it to, to gel that quickly. And it did.
1: And Chance Campbell, of course, you know, he was highlighted on the broadcast a thousand times. He's not the only one. Uh, Sistrunk, I thought, played a really nice game. Uh, The
0: guys that you talk about as far as the ones that look different, that are holdovers from this team a year ago, I wrote down him, Sam Williams, and Tariqus Tisdale really is the main three that you can't convince me that they're the same player that they were a year ago.
1: Sistrunk had eight tackles, two
0: and a half for a loss last night. And he was one of the guys that came in after... I believe it was Lakia Henry's ejection. Mm-hmm. So, you know. They weren't going to play him all that much. Right. And the, Two guys in front of him got ejected, <laughs> and so he had to. Yep. And we've talked about depth before being an issue. And maybe when guys are forced to play that quickly, they, they step up and they show you something.
1: Yeah, Tisdale had a grown man play there in the first half as well, but physically he does look different. Yeah. Um, That three-man front is fascinating, paired with the two linebackers. But anyway, back to Chance Campbell. Um, Ole Miss has not had a linebacker that could do that, even against an opponent like Louisville, in a long, 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 long time. He does every single thing well. Everything well. He... Reads plays his his reaction time his reading and reacting is next level. Um that he's fourth at, and one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm mean, athletic enough to do it. So he can read plays. He's athletic enough to get to the spot he needs to get to and he's a really sound tackler. And even when he's not making tackles, he's still making plays by by reading things correctly, being disruptive, whatever. Uh apparently in the second half he was having to get IVs and stuff cuz he was playing the whole game, and he was as disruptive as possible, and he had to play even more because the two guys got ejected, but he he has a complete game. He does everything well, and what was most impressive was that he was spying Cunningham. Malik Cunningham is an, an exceptional athlete. Not the best quarterback Ole Miss will see, but a great athlete, and Campbell was spying him often, and when you know, pocket would open up or, or contain would get broken or whatever. Campbell was there and was athletic enough to not let Cunningham run anywhere. He's a complete player. A dramatic upgrade. Now we know why Jacquez Jones transferred to Kentucky because he would not be playing very much on this team, if at all. I mean, Momo Sanogo is, what, a third stringer, a garbage time yeah. player? Yeah, he and made it's not one like he's,
0: play last night.
1: He, he's not, is not particularly good. Don't get me wrong. But he's played a lot of SEC football. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. And he played a lot of football last year.
0: Yeah. Leading tackler a couple years ago before an injury.
1: He's a garbage time player for this team. The talent upgrade, especially at linebacker, is evident. Um, And then the ejection was a joke. I was really looking forward to seeing more from him. Um, and, And Henry did a couple of nice things before his
0: ejection as well. Another guy that he looked quicker than he did a year ago. He's lost weight. Yeah. Good bit of it. Yeah, I think last year he he put on some weight and it showed. Anytime that he was in coverage, he would get beat. And he just didn't have the speed. I think this year he is much more well-equipped to play that kind of position and be in coverage. Yeah. The Mark Robinson uh, ejection, that one, of the two, if we want to mention that real quick, I think that was the most egregious one. I, there's no way that you can call that targeting, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, we can go there right now. Uh, I was really excited to see what he was able to do because I love his story. Uh, you guys have heard us talk about this by now, I'm sure. Was at SEMO, was a running back and a good one there, transferred to Ole Miss, became a linebacker, and then was a starter. on the, In the SEC at linebacker, and that absolutely looked the part. What bothers me about that play is I've seen some people say, well, you got to see what you're tackling. you got to get your head up. Okay, true, very true. But when you are trying to tackle a grown man running at full speed, it is natural for your head to go down just a little. And if you look at the still shot of when he makes contact, his face mask and his eyes are on the football. It's not like he was spearing him. It's not like it was the top of his head down. Right before impact, he dropped his forehead just a little bit, just a little bit, and his eyes were on the football. Yeah. And in real time, it wasn't flagged because that's a real-time football play. And yes, look, I only played high school football, so I don't know anything about what it's like playing in the SEC or definitely not the NFL. But when I've seen former players that have played in the college at the college level and in the NFL say, what do you want him to do? Like that's a typical football play. That should not be flagged. Then I'll go with the guys that have done it at that level when they say it's almost impossible to lower your upper body. I mean, we've talked about this before <laughs> on the Sunday show. How can you bring your upper body down without your head coming down with it? Yeah, if You, you leave can't your, do
0: it. If you leave your head completely up while trying to angle your shoulder, you're going to snap your neck the other way. So that makes no sense. And there were no other elements of targeting no. in that hit. And what I mean by that, I guess, is in a lot of instances, you can tell when a guy deliberately drops his head or if he leaves his feet to launch at the him. The corral hit. Yeah, that was a, clear as day. Clearly targeting. They and, both should have been ejected. Yeah, Honestly, they both should have. Would have been the first double targeting ejection yeah. ever. But with the Robinson hit, he also clearly wrapped up. You don't see that often when hits are called targeting. Yeah. You didn't see it in the Ohio State game when that call should have been targeting, from what I remember, when the two helmets just collide and the guy's just throwing his head in his shoulder. Yeah. When you wrap someone up, your head is bound to drop because it has to go to the side. And when the running back dips his head, it's impossible not to make contact with it.
1: That's what frustrates me, too. It is In real time, it was just a big hit in a violent sport. Hey, you, unless you've done it, you just don't know how hard it is to get to that level where your body and your shoulders are down and your head is straight up. You, you can't really do that. He did not spear him his forehead did drop a little bit, but his eyes were still on the football. He could still see what he was tackling. And the second contact was made, his head went right up. I mean, it was just like a brace for impact thing, a very typical football play. And so if you just, you, if you just have to penalize somebody because their head goes down just a little bit, okay. But the fact that he was kicked out of the game for that, the, the rule's broken. The, the, the rule is simply broken when that play that was not flagged in real time because it's a typical football hit leads to you getting removed from the game. The rule is broken. It's absurd that we're even at this point. And when I saw NF, former NFL players and NFL media people saying things like, wait, does that happen like every week? Is this what college football is? This sucks. <laughs> like, I can't watch it. Th- there's a problem because. It's not just people like us watching an Ole Miss game, seeing an Ole Miss player get kicked out and think, oh, that shouldn't have happened. Right. When, I don't know, I guess it validates my opinion on that. When I see a former NFL player saying, what the hell else is he supposed to do? How else do you want somebody to tackle? Because the next thing they're going to do, next
0: thing he'll do is go after knees. Yep. That's the next thing he'll do. I've seen players before say that they'd rather have guys go high than low. Yeah. That's why you have a helmet on. Right. You don't have anything protecting your knees, your ACL, all that kind of stuff. You don't want a guy diving at your legs.
1: Yeah, I saw somebody. There was a hit in the Ohio State game um, where people were calling it dirty. Running back catches a swing pass out of the backfield. Defensive back takes his like goes at his shins and takes his legs out. He'll, oh, that's a dirty hit. Where do you want him? To where be? do you want him to go? Because he can't go high. Right. The because God zone. forbid the top of his helmet barely touches. Uh, the ball carrier's helmet, he gets 15 yards and kicked out of the game. He has to go low. Yeah.
0: Where else do you want him to go? That strike zone has been minimized so much in the last few years that who and, wants to play defense at this point? And players are faster and stronger
1: than they've ever been. Yep. So the the next time Robinson goes in for a tackle, he's going to go lower, and he's going to tear an ACL, and the people are going to call him dirty because he's right. trying to take out legs. I, I just— especially when the ball carrier drops his head and drops his target, if the running back never puts his head down, Mark Robinson's helmet is right at his chest. Mm-hmm. Right where it's supposed to right be. Right where it's supposed to be. And he doesn't get kicked out of the game. And, like, two series later, a Louisville receiver completely, like, dove forward, like, went, made his body, at, like, parallel to the ground, his upper half, what do you want a defender to do at that point? Yeah, and I think we're was, kicking him
0: out of the game now? Is it AJ Finley, I think, that made that tackle? Yeah. I said it right at the time. I was like, oh, that's targeting. The way that they were calling it, mm-hmm. that should, probably should have been reviewed and they would have kicked him out if it was. I'm glad they didn't. But yeah, that you're putting defenders in a no-win situation with that with that kind of implementation of the rule. I assume I know you watched more college football than I did over the weekend. I was out of touch for a little bit on Saturday, but I still watched a ton, and I really didn't see many other targeting calls. Not like that. So to see four and one half is absurd. And maybe that's a problem with this crew, but there is a fundamental problem with the rule itself.
1: It felt like that was a replay official trying to make a point. That's what that felt
0: like. Like an early season emphasis kind of thing.
1: But but why just that guy? Um, I think those kind of reviews should happen – In real time. I mean, if you slow something down in football frame by frame by frame, you're going to find whatever you want. Yep. You're going to find a little head drop on every every single tackle. You're going to find a little head drop. You're going to. So those should be looked at at full speed. Give me different angles. That's fine. They should be looked at at full speed. And if you can't see it in full speed, it didn't happen. I think that's fair. Because Mark Robinson should have played the – he should have – been able to play the rest of the game last night. The fact that he was removed from the game for that is just ridiculous. It should not be allowed to happen. I'm excited to see what he's able to do because he looked the part and he looked fast. I was going to say
0: he's quick. I guess that (laughs) comes with being a former running back, but
1: yeah, I guess so. But yeah, that was, that was uh, an absurdity, Uh, but really nice showing for, uh, for chance Campbell, especially he looks the part, man. And, um, the things that they did last night will translate, I think. Yes, they're like you said, they're going to be overmatched when they go to Alabama. Because everybody's going to be overmatched when they play Alabama.
0: But when you play Arkansas and Tennessee and Auburn and some of these other teams, I don't— My God, that
1: 3-2-6 is going to crush Mississippi State.
0: Yep. It absolutely has the potential to. Same with a guy like Bo Nix that doesn't make very good decisions. We've seen that over the last couple years. I don't really care what he did against Akron on Saturday. Spare spare me the Bo Nix's back stuff that I've seen. I'll believe that when I see it. So, yes, will they get wrecked by Alabama defensively? Probably. Probably. But, again, those Next tier down SEC teams, I think they can match up with anyone on their schedule. Definitely. I mean,
1: Arkansas looked like crap. Tennessee looked like crap. Mississippi State looked like crap. Uh, Vanderbilt, God <laughs> God bless those those kids at Vanderbilt. That was an embarrassment to the entire league. They're going to Colorado State this weekend. Who lost? Who
0: did Colorado State lose to? Somebody awful. That's going to be one of the worst. Vanderbilt also plays UConn this uh, year. Yeah, that. And their coach, I think, decided, ah, screw this. I'm not even sticking around till the end of the year, yep. like he originally said. Because so, his team hates him. Yeah, that game may end in like a 3-0 to zero final score.
1: You're giving too much credit to whoever gets yeah. the 3, <laughs> I think. So that's the defense. I mean, just really impressive.
0: Uh, the 3 two, 6
1: is fascinating. Iowa State does it really well. There's others that have done it. Um, if they continue to have safeties that play the way they did last night, stopping the run, then, then it'll work against almost everybody. Alabama's a different animal. But just a completely different-looking defense last night. And I'm not really concerned about the second half. I think they went vanilla. I think they kept everything in front of them. And there was some, I, I don't know what you call it, maybe um, personnel things that they were looking at to see who backups and stuff guys in were there. getting them looks. And also – two of your starting linebackers or rotational linebackers were literally kicked out of the game.
0: So uh, I, I'm not reading too much into the second half at all. The only thing I would say with that, and again, when we talk about a depth concern, is if some of these guys have to you know, rotate yeah. in. Tackling wasn't very crisp in the second half. I noticed not. a lot more Louisville pushing the pile, getting extra yards, breaking through. So there was a little more of that in the second half than I think would make anyone comfortable moving forward. Mm-hmm. If those guys have to have to come in,
1: a couple of players were were out as well. Um, Tavius Robinson. I'm interested to see what his role is when uh, when he comes back. But uh, that's the defense. They were impressive. Starting an Ole Miss reaction with defense is uh, something new, or a positive reaction. Positive reaction, anyway. Matt Corral last night, 22 of 32 for 381, one touchdown. He also ran. Uh, This says for 55. It's so stupid that we count sacks against quarterbacks. It's the dumbest thing. Um, But over 400 yards of total offense for Matt Corral. And what impressed me about him, we already know that He can actually make all the throws. Like, in the Wisconsin-Penn State game, I think Joel Klatt was talking about the two quarterbacks and said that they can make
0: all the throws. Not true. I don't know what game he was watching until that point.
1: That is a very overused phrase when talking about quarterbacks. Oh, he can make all the throws. Well, most of them can. Matt Corral can. We knew that. Uh, What was impressive, though, and where you see growth and you hope as an Ole Miss fan that it sticks, he... They called multiple, like, home run kind of plays. And he didn't force a single one. They he wanted mul- to. He wanted to. There were multiple times where he really wanted to pull the trigger and really wanted to fire and decided against it. And either A, went through his progressions and found somebody underneath or pulled it down and ran. That kind of decision making is an evolution if this is him for the rest of the year. Because even in games that he played well, there were times where he forced footballs where it didn't belong. Last night, I think he did that that I remember one time, and it was a perfect throw to Dontario Drummond, who caught it with his fingertips. If you look at Corral's angle, that was a risky, risky throw. It worked out, but that's like it. Of the 32 passes he threw, I can think of maybe one or two that were bad
0: decisions, or not perfect decisions. And I appreciated that they showed the view, and I, I wish they would do this more often, of behind the quarterback. Yeah. On a couple of those throws where you saw him kind of load up and want to throw, they showed behind him what he was looking at, that there was no one open. Could he have tried to force one in with his arm strength? Probably. He did it last year often. Yep. But he made that decision to pull it down and run a couple times. He probably needs to slide, especially late in that game. Slide a little sooner right. also. but. I think, again, that shows that evolution that you're talking about.
1: That needs to continue. If it does, knock on wood, if it does, he's a first-round pick. It's that simple.
0: I think it was Daniel Jeremiah last night that tweeted a lot of Zach Wilson to Matt Corral's game, and we've talked about that comparison before.
1: And uh, Tom Luganbill was on, uh, um, oh gosh, what are they calling it now in Birmingham, Uh, the, the last round? With Ryan Brown, Uh, it used to be the Jocks Roundtable. They're Mm. doing a digital-only thing. Anyway, uh, he was on their show and said that uh, Spencer Rattler has nothing on Matt Corral. So the people noticed last night he is extremely talented, but that maturity, if that's him, if that's a permanent change that he has made, he's a first-round pick because, one, he's got receivers that are obviously talented enough to get open with time anyway. But that decision-making is what led to him having 381 yards, which is a a good day for him, not the best,
0: but zero under the INT mark on the box score. With the weapons around him, and especially the ones in the backfield with him, I think that number, that zero in the interception category, will be more important in games moving forward than how many touchdowns he throws. Because last night, Louisville did the
1: rush three, drop eight thing, which is what teams do to Mississippi State. And if they keep, if Matt Crowell keeps doing this, defenses will get out of that. They're going to have to. And then you'll get your one on one matchups and you can take deep shots. You got to be patient to do that first. This was the defense that Louisville ran last night that Arkansas did, basically, where he threw a bunch of interceptions because he tried to force the football into places that it wasn't, there just wasn't an opportunity. He didn't do that last night. He went through his progressions, found open receivers underneath. Didn't take any risks downfield. Eight
0: different receivers, Eight too.
1: different receivers. Didn't take any risks downfield. And he threw for 381 yards. And honestly, I don't think that was their best game. Hmm. Offensively. Yeah. Here's your Max Kellerman take of the day. <laughs> I think they can play a lot better than that.
0: They can definitely play cleaner. Much cleaner. Yep. 14 turnovers. Penalties. Th- penalties. What did I say? Turnovers. turnovers. Yep, <laughs> That would have been a hell of a day. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, 14 penalties throughout the game. Obviously not all of them. On the offensive side of the ball. But a couple touchdowns negated by penalties. Uh, you didn't run the ball very well for the most part. Except uh, yeah, 4. Snoop Conner, obviously. Yeah, carry,
1: 188 total.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that aspect and the balance can improve. We've seen it. We saw it all of last season. And I think that part will get better moving forward. But, yeah, so they have... Room to improve, which sounds crazy after scoring 43 points. Right.
1: Yeah, red zone offense wasn't perfect. And It's nitpicking, guys. I mean, th- this is really nitpicking. And the reason why I say this is because, well, it's really simple. I don't know why I'm acting like it's profound. They can play better than that. Mm-hmm. that I don't think that was the Ole Miss offense's best
0: game. Also, two of nine on third down is something. See, that's same. what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's a concern. Then... <laughs> They negate what I'm saying, of course, by going three of three on fourth down, but that's not always going to be the case. You need to convert those third downs, yeah. especially early in drives.
1: That and, uh, and, and in the red zone as well. So it wasn't a perfect night, and they still threw for 380 and ran for 188. I mean, that, that's what this football team is. I don't think they were perfect, and they were still elite. That's what this offense is. Um, but really impressed with Corral and, and that mental growth that he has made. It's just one game. But if that's him, then Ole Miss is going to be really successful and he's going to be a first-round pick. And speaking of those penalties, I forgot to mention this, why I'm not concerned about the second-half performance from the defense. Multiple stops in the second half that were negated by a penalty, whether it be a call that I disagreed with or whatever, and Louisville went down the field and scored. That happened multiple times in the second half where they got the stop and dumb penalty for whatever reason – kept the drive going, and Louisville went and scored. they got to clean it up. I mean, that can be a team's identity if they don't fix it. But Kiffin said in the postgame, it's fixable. So he he
0: didn't sound too concerned. No, and one of the—Louisville got their first points on a field goal, first drive of the second half. That's one of the things I jotted down. did
1: that come after a long kick return as well? Yeah,
0: it did. And And what I wrote down for that was situational football. You know, right out of the half— big return, they're in the red zone, and you hold them to a field goal. I think that says a lot. It was uh, a very sad field goal, too. It was. Yeah, to, you should – I have a rule. It, it's a really stupid rule, and no one's ever going to implement it. But if you're down by more than three scores, your first points should have to come on a touchdown. <laughs> you're not allowed to kick a field goal unless you're – you know, If you're only down to make by a two. A three-score game, a three-score game? Right. It makes no sense. So – Make them score a touchdown. That's my rule. Matt Luke
1: once kicked a field goal in the second half on fourth and goal from the one in Baton Rouge to make a three score game a three score game. So that was ugly. It wasn't just a three score game; it was a three touchdown game. Right? It it went. (laughs) I think you're
0: right. Because what was it like twenty eight to seven? That was a really sad game. Louisville. No, I don't remember the score, but but I
1: know it was a it was a three touchdown game, and it stayed a three touchdown game. (laughs) after that field goal on fourth and goal from the one. So Satterfield had a moment like that last night.
0: Absolutely did. And, you know, so situational football like that, getting points before halftime, game was already trending towards out of reach, but still I think that's big. Capitalizing on turnovers they were able to do, touchdown off the interception, and the aforementioned field goal after Louisville fumbled heading into the half. So, yeah, just a really... Really complete effort, it seemed like, from the entire team.
1: Yep. Penalties aside, uh, of course. It wasn't perfect, but, I mean, if if that's their not perfect, what is their day game? Uh, Dontario Drummond, they mixed up his usage a lot. He lined up, like, in tight end area sometimes. Uh, obviously in the slot, Louisville was going to make sure that Ole Miss did not beat them with long,
0: deep balls on the side. And so Drummond feasted over the middle. He did, and then nine catches, 177 yards. When they started to key on that, that's when you saw Corral find Mingo on the sideline. Who he? It seemed like he was waiting for someone to come hit him, and no one, no one wanted to get near him. Uh, He was able to get down to like the one, just missed getting in the end zone there. But his emergence on the outside, I think, could present a whole lot of problems if Drummond is going to be that effective moving around. Mm
1: -hmm. Love the way they use Ely and his couple of receptions in the game. So that was good. Plumley had a couple of catches. Uh, just all around, really impressive performance. When Braylon Sanders, the guy that your coach says going in as a first round pick, uh, I mean, Louisville took him out of the game. They wanted to make sure that somebody like Braylon Sanders cannot beat them over the top. So who's after him? Dontario Drummond. I mean, that they have weapons still, uh, no doubt. Speaking of weapons, they have a kicker. They do. Who can make field goals? Like actually, like kick
0: the ball through the uprights from a considerable distance. That's one of those ones where you heard the crowd almost sarcastically explode when that first field goal went through the uprights, especially after the first kid missed an extra point.
1: Yeah, Kale Nation. Yep, yeah, great. Name, I think that'll but... be his last, uh, unless it's a very like this weekend. Maybe he'll kick because it's Austin P. But uh, it's cost his job now.
0: Yep. I thought I assumed it was heading in. Everything that I've heard and that, you know, when they recruited him was this kid is, you know, he's a, some great kicker, whatever. Uh, so to not see him go out there for the first one was a little startling. But once he got in there, he, he took advantage.
1: That'll be huge. Yep. That, that will be, that will be huge. I haven't mentioned Snoop Conner yet. This is what we were talking about recently, though. This offense is going to wear defenses down. I think you're not going to see very many Snoop Connor carries early in football games. Hmm, Almost like a closer. Basically. That's how they used him last night. Yep. And when you get a tired defense with that bowling ball, you get results like you saw last night. Nobody can tackle him. He was, he was so physical and fresh in the second half when they started giving him the football. Louisville didn't want to tackle him. And especially, that's what you get.
0: especially in that area of the field. If yeah. Ole Miss gets down toward the red zone and they do it in, almost, not a methodical way, in the standpoint of taking a lot of time, but if you're rushing to get down there and you you're putting strain on a defense and they're gassed, by the time they get down to the ten yard line, and you hand the ball to Snoop Connor, he's going to run over some people because they're going to be exhausted.
1: He's uh, he's definitely got that mentality. So, just all around great game uh, without Kiffin being there. Uh, obviously, he did a lot before he tested positive and, and all that, did a lot to make sure that they were going to be prepared for that game and all that. But let Durkin just coach the defense, let Levy just coach the offense, and they had their special teams coordinator there to make, like, head coaching, have a head coaching role. But largely, the he way they're describing the it on the to
0: call one timeout. Yeah, I remember he, that. He had his big head coach moment of having to do that. That was hilarious.
1: But largely the way they described it was when talking to Kiffin before the game is they already know their roles. They're just going to coach what they're supposed to coach and the game will take care of itself. I thought that was fascinating. With the special teams coordinator, you know, being the timeout guy and whatnot. But largely, Jeff, you do your thing. DJ, you do your thing.
0: It'll be fine, sure enough. Yep. And the way that that was talked about as far as DJ Durkin this is much less of a two defensive coordinator system than I thought. It's and, DJ's defense. Yeah, I mentioned that as kind of a concern of mine heading into the season, but after last night and hearing the way that Lane Kiffin considers DJ Durkin in that role, it it's as if he is the main defensive coordinator. And yeah, maybe my my uh, fear was unfounded, I guess.
1: It's definitely his defense. Um but all around, just really, really good win. Really nice win for Ole Miss. Is there anything that uh, that you have written down that we have missed? Uh, I did write
0: down I just kind of a quick glance. And I wouldn't have done this if guys like uh, RG3 and Lee Corso didn't mention Matt Corral in the Heisman conversation. But just how he stacked up to some of the other Heisman contenders. And obviously it's week one, but this is the fun time to try to do yeah. this kind of stuff. Obviously, Bryce Young was incredible for Alabama. They, they're they not going to slow down at all. Mm-hmm. But when you stack him up against guys like Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, DJ Ui Ungalole, I'm going to continue to practice that, and I think I've nailed it, JT Daniels, and the non-quarterback that I threw in was Breesy Hall from Iowa State. Yeah. None of them impressed the way that Matt Corral did on that kind of stage. Yeah, no shot. Uh, his odds have shotten up today as well. So if you got in the on the ground floor, uh, go for it. But yep. And still, I think, plus 1,200 down from plus He and DJ have identical
1: odds after what DJ did yeah. against Georgia. So How pathetic is that? It's
0: a, it's a solid bet that you can throw on there and, and hope for the best. For sure. So, uh,
1: good win for Ole Miss. Just simply just a really good win all around. Clean up the penalties and and you're cooking. It's really that simple. So... Uh, the podcast, by the way, brought to you by absms.com, Advantage Business Systems. as an office technology solutions company. Uh, they, were, they started in Jackson, but they serviced the entire state. So if you're a, a business owner or a decision maker and you're looking for some office technology, things from copiers and printers and mail machines all the way down to cloud storage and data security and phones and shipping and stuff like that, uh, Let ABS be your provider. Visit their website, absms.com. Tell them we sent you, and you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So they won't charge you. They'll just tell you what, uh, you know, they'll present a package that fits your budget and stuff like that. So absms.com is the website. Also, LB is just across from Kroger and University Avenue, the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. Go by and see Greg and tell him that we sent you after you had a nice, relaxing weekend. You get to spend some time in the Grove And early weather, 86 and sunny, low of 57. Six o'clock
0: kick. Oh, gosh, six o'clock kick. Plenty of time to be perfect. mm, Plenty of time to fire up the grill during the day. You wake up and
1: grill and then go to the game or do something Sunday morning. Either way, the weather this week is perfect. So get something for the grill and get that at LB's. All right, any final thoughts on this game before we wrap up and look forward to um, Austin Austin P. (laughs)
0: Should be an exciting game this weekend. Uh, The one thing, and I'm just banging out the last of my notes here. Bring it on. I would like to see them move the pocket more with Matt Corral, and I think that will come as they play better defenses. Uh, I don't think that they need to get too stagnant in keeping him in one spot. Obviously, he runs with some of the RPOs, but...
1: I suspect you'll see a lot of that when they go to Tuscaloosa. Yep,
0: I think so. Having him as a stationary target... And the SEC is not a Mm. winning formula, but I think that's the last of my notes, and they were able to slow the pace of the offense in the second half. I think they struggled with that at times last year when they were ahead, and I think that kind of bit them a few times, so I'd like to see it in a closer game as well, how they handle it, but uh, yeah, just another another quick positive here as we wrap up.
1: Yeah, and shout out to Wilson Love. Um, He just did a remarkable job with uh, guys that you don't recognize until you look up their jersey number. It's pretty impressive, uh, the job he did this offseason. Y'all enjoy yourselves this week. Enjoy the win. Enjoy the win that's coming on Saturday as well. Uh, Live tickets available for this one. Uh, we'll talk about that later on this week. Um, not, I'm not going to fan shame because times are changing. Ohio State hosts Oregon this weekend, and there are thousands of tickets available through Ohio State. But what Ole Miss needs to do to try to get – full crowds back, if they can? Or is the landscape and sports attendance what it's going to be moving forward? That
0: surprised me this weekend, actually.
1: They'll probably end up filling it up. But as of this morning, thousands
0: of seats through the school still available. Hmm. And because last night in Atlanta, I know that's it's a holiday. It's the Monday, so you're not off. Most people aren't off of work on Tuesday. Kind of tricky. But across the country, I thought there were a lot of places where you figure the stadium's going to be full. People are excited to get back. Full crowds, but a lot of empty seats this weekend. Like Austin,
1: yeah. Austin, new coach, first game for a new coach. There were, I bet, there was twenty to thirty thousand empty seats. Unveiling a new addition to yeah. their
0: stadium. And as
1: Well, there were visible empty seats at every point in the stadium. Yeah, it's, it's a thing, and it, it's not going away. So we might talk about that later this week, um, ahead of the Austin P game, because there's not much about the Austin P game we can actually talk about. I, there are some people, Stephen, that want us to like focus on Austin P. We're not on the team. What we say doesn't impact the team, <laughs> so we're going to do very little previewing of Austin P. Uh, I was just about to start my deep dive, yeah. but all right, yeah, very little of that is uh, is coming. Uh, there are some things that you want to watch for, though, as far as depth pieces and backups and stuff like that. I was going to say,
0: so, the people that have been asking about the backup quarterback position, watch closely oh, on Saturday. Boy. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get the answer there.
1: Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again probably tomorrow. Uh, the week has been disrupted a little bit, but we should be back on schedule tomorrow. Y'all have a good one. A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. media production.